Servus und willkommen to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works. This is the flagship show and I'm Schnitzel and I'm joined by Tom Adams from Bavarian Football Works and we are back with the dynamic duo partnership that we have and this is after Bayern Munich's recent resounding 4-0 victory against FC Köln that was such a joy to watch. So yeah, I'm pretty sure Tom must be very happy, especially since his other football club, Liverpool, won today 3-0 against Brentford, I believe it was. So Tom, how are you doing and uh, how are you feeling today? I am doing very well. Happy to be back with you, Schnitzel. It's been uh, a few weeks, perhaps even a month or so since we've been on teaming up for the dynamic duo of BPW. But as you already mentioned, I am in a terrific mood. Bayern bounced back from you know last week's frustrating loss uh, to Gladbach. Julian Nagelsmann didn't really have all of the players he wanted. I know if you're a Bayern fan by now, you, you've already known how many COVID cases, how many injuries we've had, so we don't need to go too much into that. Liverpool just won. I don't have to go into work tomorrow. It's a uh, bank holiday, so life life is pretty good. I'm just going to take it easy today, uh, recollect my thoughts, do a little bit of resting. Had quite a few adult league games myself, so I'm still a little bit sore from earlier this week. Uh, and yeah, happy to be on the pod with you, and we got some stuff to talk about now, don't we? Yeah, of course, and I hope uh, football you know, at your end has been going pretty well with your beer league team. <laughs> <laughs> it has been several, several different teams. Uh, this week I can report, I went for a loss and uh, two wins between uh, the three different teams I play on. So overall it was a good week. The team we lost to is very high quality. So can't complain about that. You're always going to get knocked down a few pegs every now and then. Of course, man, head up, head up. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we can move on into the topics of discussion for today. Uh, we can start off with the contract extension situation in the club. Obviously, Kingsley Coman just, you know, had his contract renewed to 2027, which is pretty good news because he is a really high-quality winger who is kind of inconsistent and highly injury-prone, but he has shown to, you know, be able to become the difference maker for Bayern on several occasions. One very important match, uh, which was, you know, the final against PSG, obviously. Who can forget that header he scored? you know, sealing the victory for us. And, uh, you know, the other extensions that we have on the line, Manuel Neuer, whose deal ends, uh, you know, next summer. Same with Lewandowski, Thomas Miller, Serge Gnabry and Niklas Zula have their contracts ex expiring very soon. So, yeah, let's start with Coman's situation and the contract extension. What do you think of it? And, uh, you know, are you happy about it? With the timing, like if we were to have this conversation a couple of months ago, I might have answered a little bit differently than I would be now. But I think we've seen, especially in the second half of the Hinrunda, after he kind of got around uh, the heart problems that he had earlier, if you recall, uh, I think he's been a very, very effective player. And I think especially with, uh, you know, the COVID climate where it seems I, it, I, does, I do hope that we're kind of over that hurdle of having a massive outbreak. Because it seems like, you know, now that we've had it, it probably won't happen for a long time again, if at all it does. Uh, but I, th I think he was a key player, especially when Nagelsmann wasn't exactly spoiled for choice. And it seems like forever since we've had all of our wingers 100% fit and available between Sané, Gnabry. Disclaimer alert. Uh, alert, we never will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we won't FC have all Hollywood. four of our wingers fit. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's very, very... Uh, you know, uncharacteristic that we do have all of our wingers fully fit and available. And I think he showed, I think he showed his worth. I think he stepped up big time. 
uh, especially, as I said, in the second half of the, the Hinrunda. And I think he's been very effective. And, you know, I, I think from his standpoint, you know, we can't forget that during the summer transfer window, this is a guy that hired Pini Zahavi uh, for a short-term period to try and broker a move to the Premier League. He had kind of made it clear between himself, his father, who is one of his representatives, and his family members, his representatives, or team of representatives, I should say, uh, were very keen on uh, shipping him off to England in the Premier League. And he really wanted to make that happen. So the writing was on the wall for a potential exit. But when Zahavi was not able to make that happen, he kind of kicked him to the curb. And you know, I, I think, Schnitzel, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was one of those situations where he was a little bit peeved when he had seen Nagelsmann's preferred starting 11 and wasn't on it. I could be getting Kaman mixed up with somebody else, but I want to say it was him. Uh, so personally, he wasn't quite sure of his future. That probably had a lot to do with trying to push for a move to the Premier League. But I think all things considered, Nagelsmann has showed faith in him. Uh, you know, whether out of necessity or whether it's just for a sheer um, need to rotate up front with all of the congested fixtures, giving some guys a rest. You know, I, he stepped up to the plate. He's a quality player. We know what, we, what he can do on his day. And I, I'm happy uh, that he's staying at Bayern Munich. And uh, I'm a big fan yeah, of this extension. Yeah, and it's, and it's very, uh, you know, interesting that you mentioned, you know, Nagelsmann, uh, showing his faith in him in recent weeks because I feel like uh, obviously he has a lot of competition at Bayern. Serge Gnabry plays in the same position and Muziela has also you know shown to be very efficient on the right flank. So there is a lot of competition. But I also believe that uh, Como always had his mindset in staying in Munich, you know, and extending with the club and that it was probably just his agents and, you know, the money-making moves that they do behind the scenes, you know, uh, Piranha Zahavi, quote unquote, yeah. could uh, you know have <laughs> instigated some of those moves, and you know he also did uh, some leaks to the media and the press, and made it seem like so many clubs were interested in Como, and you had like Newcastle and Man United, Man City, and I think Chelsea was also there in the mix at some point of time. PSG mm -hmm. as well, being yep. a French club and being the club that first brought him to first team action. So yeah, it's uh, it's like I think he always considered staying in Munich seriously and now that he has shown he can be an important a valuable member for the squad and that Nagelsmann has you know shown that he can trust the player because I think this is one of the seasons when he's actually been quite fit consistently and outside of the current COVID situation that's been going on he was injured for like two or three weeks I think I think it was a two-week stretch just two weeks ago with like an ankle injury or something but before that he was like fit for like five months i don't want to jinx this but it's a pretty good run of form considering he's more or less a glass vase <laughs> in regular seasons so as long as he's you know on the pitch more often than he is in the infirmary i would say this is a big win-win for Bayern and for the player and i'm very happy with the extension and i just hope that we won't have to deal with a lot more of Zahavi outside of obviously the Lewandowski transfer, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the, the extension, Lewandowski extension. Rather. Right. And I hope that goes smoothly as well. So that would bring us to the next you know, topic, which is obviously the extensions of Neuer, the potential extension that is, they're saying it's going to be a three-year deal and he's, he's going to pen it soon. So first your thoughts on that. And then your thoughts on potential Lewandowski and Thomas Miller extensions. Yeah, so I know after the win over F. Sekun, 
Neuer was asked about this, right? It, it had leaked uh, a little bit before uh, kickoff. I think probably just in between something like 24 and 12 hours uh, before that match where it was leaked that uh, I think it was uh, Sky Germany. I forget the guy's name, Barenbeck, if I'm, if I'm pronouncing it, remembering it correctly, had said that, you know, he kind of pieced together the kind of goalkeeping triangle between Neuer, uh, Alexander Nubel, and Stefan Ortega from Armenia Bielefeld that Bayern have expressed interest in. And, you know, it's also come the other way from his camp. He has basically said he doesn't want to be a backup anywhere, but at Bayern to serve behind Manuel Neuer, it's something he would consider. So that's obviously on the table, which doesn't spell good news for Alexander Nubel, who will probably have to try and find another club if Neuer does put pen to paper on a three-year deal. But uh, Schnitzel, with this, I mean, knock on wood, uh, Neuer does not ever get any kind of a metatarsal injury or anything like that again. But in my mind, I'm very excited for this. I know he's downplayed it himself, but that's just being diplomatic and professional to the press. Um, something a veteran like him is always going to do out of respect for the club and everyone involved in getting the extensions done. But there's no reason in my mind why, why I wouldn't be uh, very thrilled for this. You know, I, if, if Neuer could play for Bayern forever until he's just physically <laughs> incapable of playing anymore, I would be happy. And I, I think with no discredit to Sven Ulreich, who had to deputize for Neuer, last week in the loss to Gladbach. I think especially from a defensive standpoint, it just gives you that uh, that comfort when you know you have Neuer behind you. And that can just yeah. change the dynamic of everything going from back to front. And I think we we saw, you know, how much more comfortable we looked at the back. We still had our mistakes against FC Kuhn, don't get me wrong, but um, we also still probably aren't pay- playing with our, we still have, uh, I think Upa Makano was on the bench. Luca Hernandez was not back. So we weren't yes, playing. Yeah. Obviously, Alfonso Davies get better ASAP with his issue of myocarditis. We haven't played yet in the Rook Runda with our, you know, starting four, uh, back four. So that's always a, a piece of the equation, too. And I think the other guys just uh, speak for themselves. No reason. Yeah, and in about my Neuer, mind, just, yeah, just one ahead. thing to add. Yeah. Uh, Yes, he is the world's best goalkeeper at the moment, and he is amazing with the saves and, you know, the way he dictates the play and the way he, you know, moves the ball when in possession. Also as a captain, obviously. But I think uh, another very, very crucial and, you know, important reason why we should extend Neuer is because we're, you know, in a transition phase at the moment. And uh, the centre-backs, we don't know what the situation will be, you know, come next summer. We don't know what's going to happen with Klaus Zula. He might leave. He might stay. And then we have Luca Hernandez and the newcomer, Upamecano, who still has to get adjusted to the new environment. So we need someone to kind of command, you know, the play and kind of structure and organize the defense. And since we don't really have still, I mean, Luca Hernandez is emerging to be that kind of leader. We heard that from Alfonso Davies and a few other players. But I don't think we have an undisputed vocal leader from the back, which is where Manuel Neuer comes in, because he kind of, shouts orders at the defenders all the time. He screams right into their faces. And that's sometimes really helpful in structuring that defense and making sure that, you know, they stay in their positions and they do their duties. So beyond being the leader, beyond being, you know, the the charismatic energy-driving force that Bayern, you know, could really use at any point of time, I think his importance to the defensive structure just cannot be understated. So this extension would also kind of seal the deal for that as well. Yeah, and I think you'd be very, very hard-pressed, Schnitzel, to find any Bayern or even a Mannschaft fan 
out there to disagree with what we've been saying on Neuer. Like there's no reason, especially with, you know, how fit he is um, and, and how, how important and influential he is on the rest of the squad for all of the reasons that we just mentioned, uh, why anyone would turn down or, you know, disagree so, with a three-year contract extension. So, yeah, uh, this summer, I believe he turns 34, maybe, and or 35. I'm not very sure. Probably 35. But uh, well, you know, 34, mean, 35 in FC Bayern München, Neuer, Lewandowski years isn't quite the same as human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit what different. What I'm trying to say is, uh, so he's yeah, he's currently 35. So a three-year extension would mean that he would be, I think he turns 36 this March. So he would be 39 by the end of the contract. So do you think that's worth it? Or do you think that the contract is a bit too long? Because I, do, I feel I, it's completely fine. I do think that's worth it, especially hitting off of one of the things that you said a few moments ago with us being in, tra- in a transition period. I think he's someone who realizes that perhaps during the last year and a half or year of that contract, it may be a point where he becomes more of a squad player as you know our number two or... Um, future number one is getting groomed in that season. And I think, especially with how long he's been at Bayern uh, and how much Bayern is in his blood, he'd be okay doing that. He obviously realizes he can't play play forever. So that day is going to come, as sad as it will be for us as Bayern fans. But, you know, I trust uh, our front office and our club to make sure that we have uh, that next number one uh, be as close to the caliber of Neuer as possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, actually, because... When you go through social media sometimes, just see these people like wailing that we have like an aging, you know, veteran uh, kind of situation of the squad with like Manuel Neuer, Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Miller kind of, you know, going into their twilight years and they might start to decline, boo-hoo, whatever. Oh my God, we're going <laughs> to go into a crisis again. But like, I feel these are <laughs> three players who could play. I don't know. I mean, this might be exaggeration, but I suppose we're allowed to do that here. They could well go, you know, strongly into their 40s, maybe as football professionals. I don't think there's anything that's going to stop them from doing that. Yeah, especially if we always have uh, Lewandowski and Anna Lewandowska around the club dessert before dinner (laughs) diet. And I got to be honest, I mean, other than sometimes his hair growing a little bit, I mean, how different do you think Thomas Muller looks now than he did, let's say, five, ten years ago playing for Bayern Munich? Does he really look all that different? Maybe the kits fit a little bit tighter now. He doesn't. Maybe his face nah. looks slightly older. But I mean, yeah, especially those guys, like maybe not 40, especially if uh, injuries start to come. But with both of their track records, specifically Muller and Lewandowski, I mean, these guys do not get hurt at all. I know Muller has joked in the past saying that he doesn't get a lot of muscle injuries because he just doesn't have a lot of muscle. <laughs> He's a tall, <laughs> lanky guy. And that's just probably one of the most Muller things Muller has ever said. But yeah, yeah. I mean... I would love to see how long they can play at a high level. And if they're continuing to play at a high level at 37, 38, and it's for Bayern Munich, good. So be it. <laughs> and they're showing no signs of slowing down. I mean, both Lewandowski and Muller are currently having, you know, are on track to have statistically, you know, career best seasons. Yeah. Lewandowski is already on 22 goals in just... I think 19, it's tw- 23, yeah. actually. 23, uh, my yeah. bad. Yeah, touche, yeah. <laughs> I, I lose count of how many goals he scored. It's, you know, it is tough to keep so track of goals. Track. Yeah, yeah. 23 goals in just 19 Bundesliga games. And Thomas Miller already has 16 assists. That is crazy. Yeah. 16 assists. Six more to go to break his previous all-time Bundesliga record. Oh, and how beautiful was, was his assist to, uh, to Liso 
against yeah, Essendon. Oh my God. That, that was, was such amazing. a nice goal. Yeah. The the whole you know build up to that goal was fantastic, and that Thomas Miller assist. I mean, I don't even. It was a no look assist, I believe. It was like he just prodded it right into Soliso's path. Soliso controls it with the first touch and sends it flying into the net. I mean, Thomas Miller, man, just aging like fine wine, and he's on track to beat his all time assist record. So he has, I think, around fourteen or fifteen games to do that, and just six more assists to dish out. So you have two players who are having such great seasons, showing no signs of slowing down anytime soon. Why wouldn't you give two of the best players in the world a two or three year contract extension? Absolutely. I don't. I don't think we need Haaland right now. I don't either. I know that several Bayern pundits have said it. Lothar Matthias has said it. I believe Stefan Effenberg has said it. You know, if you have Lewandowski in this kind of form, you know, what is the need for Erling Haaland? Yeah. And I, I, so I, I tend people, to agree. You have so many people crying out for, you know, Florian Bietz at the attacking midfield role and Erling Haaland up front, you know, just to make that transition. But I feel there is no, you know, pressure or need to do that at this point, considering I feel if we give them extensions, they're going to be performing at at least an elite level for the next three to four seasons. Oh, 100%. 100%. And even uh, objectively speaking, without our bias, uh, for Bayern and even the Bundesliga in a whole, I think that uh, people who are even a little bit further removed, just looking at the, as we could say specifically for Lewandowski and Muller, the assists record and the goals record, I mean, speak for itself. Why? I mean, exactly. if, you're, if you're a club, I know Bayern is very fiscally responsible. You know, we know where to spend, where not to spend. There's obviously some outliers and some variables to that situation, but, you know, it, it, our club will do the right thing. Um, and I think both of those guys are players who will buy into, you know, keeping the core of the team and, and, and staying uh, mm-hmm. for at least another few seasons. Absolutely. And uh, as much as it pains me to say this, uh, I think Niklas Zula is gone in the summer. Yeah, unfortunately, it just seems like as much as like, it, obviously, with all of the contracts that are up for debate, at the moment, his seems to be the most pressing because there just doesn't seem to be any progress as far as getting him to agree to an extension. And it, and it pains me because I really, really want him to stay. I thought he actually, when it was only uh, 1-0, 2-0 uh, in Cologne, I thought he actually bailed us out a couple of times. Um, there was one towards the end as well. Uh, very bad touch from Tangi Nianzu and Nicolas Sula, just his sheer pace. He got back and you know swept up a dangerous situation. But for whatever reason, it just seems... You know, we saw the reports, potential swap deal uh, involved Barcelona and Chelsea with Andreas Christensen, oh God. which seems oh to have come God. out of nowhere, you know, even though we've been linked with Antonio Rudiger uh, from Chelsea. I can't imagine but, yeah. seeing Zula <laughs> at Chelsea, man. Oh I, I can't either. I really, really, really want him to stay. I know that our, I'm sure our front office behind the scenes is exhausting, you know, every possible method and avenue to explore to tr- potentially get him to agree to a contract extension. But, um, you know, the other play we haven't talked about is Gnabry. I think that's a little bit more straightforward. I think once they get the finances sorted, that will get done. I think he wants to stay. But Nigla Zula, man, that's just the one I'm concerned about. And I, I, I'm sad that I am uh, un- uncertain about it because I would rather be sitting here saying, quite certain that yeah, after some time passes, we'll get the deal over the line, but it just doesn't look that way now, does it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's so agonizing that he might potentially leave on a free. Who lets such a top-caliber centre-back who is definitely one of the best in Europe on his stay 
with such a good mix of height, physicality, strength, and speed, you know, leave on a free. It's just really, really sad. And I don't honestly think you would kind of find this sort of atmosphere with like, you know, his German compa- compatriots and, you know, this familial Mia San Mia feeling anywhere in the Premier League or elsewhere because it's all about the money there. And yes, he might be getting a fat check and a signing bonus and all that. And if you have clubs like Newcastle on the fray, they would definitely offer a player like Zula at least 18 to 20 million a season. I can see that happening easily. Like, I don't think Bayern's going to do that because they have very clear procedures with regards to, you know, the salary bans. I even had an article out, I think it was last week, on the salary bans that Bayern have at the moment. It's well-structured and it's clear that nobody should be earning above 20 million if you're not Robert Lewandowski yeah. when it comes to <laughs> FC Bayern. <laughs> but outside of that, uh, I think Premier League clubs wouldn't, you know, be uh, kind of thrown out by that kind of a proposition and they would gladly be willing to chip in with that kind of money so it's sad and if he's behind the money he's definitely not staying but if Uli Hoeneß could invite him over for a dinner or, yes you know, yeah have <laughs> uh, his wife Susie. yeah make yeah, a nice meal make some conversation meal. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if there's anything that could lure Nicolas Zula to stay at Munich, it's food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> not a fat joke. That's not a fat yeah. joke. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> Just get him to stay here, bribe him with food. And I hope Uli can give one of his, you know, season-long free currywurst coupons to <laughs> Nicolas Zula. Yes. Just have as many currywursts as you want. Just stay Step here. Step in at the final hour, uh, Uli <laughs> and Susie Honus, please, <laughs> to get him to stay. That well, even even invite Frank Ribéry to the you know Frank Ribéry yeah, his wife to the, the, uh, the dinner, and even better after the dinner, Müller and Zula have a golfing session. Yes, <laughs> At, and then we and can place uh, BFW wagers on who wins that. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure Marcus is going to lose the bet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on from the extensions, our next topic would be Bayern's midfield situation. And we saw, uh, you know, in the game against Köln and the games recently, that there are some, you know, players, midfield depth players that are turning up big time for Bayern now that they have an injury situation going on and COVID, you know, hitting the squad. You have Toliso and Roca starting to shine. And Mark Roca has really impressed me in recent weeks. Like, what do you think of that? I think, especially, I think FC Kuhn might have been his best game this season. He did make a few mistakes, but for for all the injuries that we have, how much we've miss, missed uh, Kimmich, him having to, out of necessity, go back to right back with all of the injuries that we've had and playing alongside, you know, I think it was against Gladbach, it was Musiala who lined up alongside yeah. him in that more holding midfield role, which is just, I think, most of us know that Musial is just far better as a winger or an attacking midfielder. You know, you take away some of his game a little bit when you force him to, you know, uh, deputize exactly. in, in a more holding role. So that's all the more credit to Roca to adjust to the situations around him. Obviously, it's going to work in his favor if you have a more experienced center mid like Tolisso playing alongside alongside of him. And I think we saw that in Cologne. And, but even still, it's just nice to know in the back of our minds Thankfully, Goretzka doesn't require surgery on that patellar tendon issue that's kept him out. Uh, that's another conversation. I think we maybe pushed it a little bit when he, we played him uh, in Der Klasker at the beginning of December. 
last year and gave him about 60, 65 minutes. I think we were really pushing the luck and probably that contributed to contributed to the aggravation of that injury. But, but Rucka's progression, I'm very pleased and I hope it continues in that same direction. But Goretzka, it feels like it's been happening for a while now, actually. Like every season he tends to go down with some kind of injury or some health situation. And it's like I can see a pattern emerging. He's not... I think there was a statistic saying that last season he was only available for 54% of the games. And yeah, and this season he's also not doing himself any favors by not being available for the club for quite long stretches. And although uh, sometimes you just cannot prevent injuries or, you know, COVID situations or whatnot, it's also about, you know, uh, whether the player can be available for a sustained period when the club needs him. And if Goretzka can return before the, you know, very busy stretch of the season, then it'll be well and good. But if he doesn't, it's going to be a pickle because I think Zabitzer could take a spot if he's given that start at the H role because, oh my God, <laughs> Nagelsmann's getting on my nerves, man. <laughs> Left back, even winger, even center back, but definitely not at the eight position, not as a, a, a box-to-box midfielder. That's what it looks like to me. You know, yeah, just and, plugging uh... him... Sabitzer has not looked all too comfortable at left back either. I'll just say that. Yeah. Much. <laughs> he, he, he was much better against FC Köln, credit where it's due, but definitely not as close to top three or top four best positions. And he is a much, much, much better midfielder as a six, an eight, or a 10. We saw at RB Leipzig. He played really good in all three positions. And right. under Nagelsmann, that too. I feel like it's also about, I, I think uh, I spoke about this in the post-game pod after the FC Köln game. Um, uh, I think Nagelsmann also trusts Zabitzer a lot. So he feels like maybe it's a possibility that he feels Zabitzer, you know, is more trustworthy in deputizing in those kind of positions than other players potentially doing the same job. And he just wants a starting 11 that can win games for him at the moment. And I wouldn't blame him because of the COVID situation. But now that Omar Richards is back, seeing Zabitzer at the left-back position for another game would be a travesty. Like, (laughs) I hope Nagelsmann's listening to this and I hope he's willing to make the necessary changes because I want to see Zabitzer back at RB Leipzig form, like his prime midfield form. And I I, I don't mind him starting at the 6 or the 8, but I want him to start in midfield. And I prefer to see a Roca-Zabitzer pairing. Yes, Tolisso was very good in the game against Köln. But we know how inconsistent he is. So if there's a good game, then he's definitely about to give us one or two mediocre games. So <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the right time to make Zabitz to take that eighth spot and show us what he's got. Because essentially, that's what we signed him for. Oh, like, yeah. Well, yeah, and if, thankfully, too, like what you what you were just saying, we have Omar Richards back. Uh, and I yeah. think if I'm not mistaken, Luca Hernandez should be back. Uh, for the next match as well. So there's a lot of, with that flexibility in the back, that gives you more flexibility in midfield, right? So we could very well see Luca Hernandez play left back, Upa Makano, Nicolas Sula occupy the center back positions, uh, and we could move Pavard out to right back. Sorry, I need no names. But that does give uh, Kimmich, you know, the, uh, the flexibility to push back into midfield where he prefers to play. And then you be any anyone... At right back, that kind of gives I need no name Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, just take traumatizing him with PTSD every time he listens to you know Pava at the right back position, or maybe even contemplates that. Even me saying that now, he probably just turned over somewhere or felt you know felt yeah. a sudden flash <laughs> of something. 
but you know, in all reality, that does, I mean, for, from my standpoint, that freeing that up to move Kimmich back up to the midfield is the important piece there. And then Kimmich could line up uh, alongside any one of uh, Roca, Tiliso, uh, Sabitzer, if he needs to. So it gives us more flexibility there. Okay, uh, this is going to sound a bit selfish, but I honestly don't mind Pavar starting at right centre-back for the next few games and Kimmich starting at right-back because this is that one opportunity where Roca and Zabitzer could start together and I want that to happen. I don't want Kimmich to move back to midfield because we have that, oh God, Roca who situation again and oh my God, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Roca is going to go back to the bench. Zabitzer is also most probably going to be benched and it's just going to be sad. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised to see, like, I don't know, if I had to put money on it, I would say... I mean, because I just personally think with uh, Hernandez's pace, he can play left back very well. I wouldn't be too surprised to see left to right Hernandez, Upamakano, Niglazula, Pavard, and then just ahead of them, uh, Kimmich and Roca with the way Roca has been playing. I mean, there's yeah, no... but the issue is the issue is I feel like Roca doesn't play as well when paired with Goretzka or Kimmich because they kind of overlap in the same positions, and he doesn't want that. When I looked at Roca's game against FC Köln. I almost saw like a reincarnation of Xabi Alonso. <laughs> and sometimes it was, I felt like I literally was seeing the same player, the way the ball was distributed, the way he sent the, you know, balls to the flanks, when he switched flanks and sent diagonal through balls and so on. He was dictating the tempo and the play really well. And that kind of play was what Xabi Alonso was famous for. And it helps to have this kind of a different weapon in our arsenal because Obviously, Kimmich is a different sort of player. He's more dynamic. He is direct with his passing. And he is very quick. And, you know, he is not really the dictate tempo type. He's more like, let me just take the ball upwards and just find the quickest avenue to get a goal-creating opportunity. But Roca, he's good at slowing down the tempo, resisting the press, and spreading the ball across the pitch. And I feel like this could help us in a situation against a team that likes to bunker up and, you know, sit tight because yeah. you would then have to dominate possession and in that case Roka would come in handy but if Kimmich starts playing in the same positions and kind of has an overlapping role with Roka that would diminish his you know play and his positional you know advantage so I don't know Kimmich wasn't very good at right back but I don't mind right back Kimmich for a little longer because I want to see this Roka resurgence and it's funny too because normally this time of year we're used to having some heightened fixture congestion. And ironically enough, now January uh, it happens to be like one of the lightest periods of our schedule <laughs> so far this season. Yeah. So ordinarily you'd think, okay, this is perfect time for rotation. A lot of these guys are starting to hit form so we can really see them different looks, different competitions, but that's just not the case. <laughs> we have a relatively light January. So now while we're so used to having so many players out through injury and COVID, uh, it, it's going to kind of like flip-flop and say, okay, all these guys are available. Who is Nagelsmann going to pick? Because the more people you have available, yeah. when things start to go wrong, there's way more susceptibility to point the finger in any number of directions. So uh, Nagelsmann um, has to get that right. I guess the problems of being a manager at FC Bayern. <laughs> you oh, never exactly. not have issues. It's always a problematic situation. You either have too many players injured or a very, very fit and healthy squad and a, a huge selection selection problem so a selection yeah. headache rather so exactly so i guess it never was easy but my money's on augustman he's going to figure something out 
as he has so far in the season. Absolutely. Yeah. And now moving on to, you know, another very important point of discussion, which is tomorrow's FIFA Best Men's Player Award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know the three main candidates, Lewandowski, Mohamed Salah, and obviously Lionel Messi. You know, ah, <laughs> yeah. you can't do anything about it, but obviously he kind of sneaks into every single award ceremony. And uh, it's funny that, you know, they haven't considered the recent you know, the last three, four months in the timeline, because I think they've excluded the entire, you know, new season. And it's really sad. And the timeline was from October of the previous year to, which is 2020, which makes no sense because neither the Ballon d'Or nor the FIFA Men's Best Player Award has ever, you know, advocated for a season. There's always rather been for a calendar year, which is why, you know, Lewandowski won the award last year. And, this year, it's going to be different because the timeline ends in August, convenient for Lionel Messi, some would say. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen tomorrow and who is your pick for the award? That should be pretty obvious. Whoa. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, wait. You're a Liverpool fan. Ah, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> well, because of you, because of what you were saying about the timeline too, yeah. I, think, I think people would edge more towards Salah if more was included that isn't included for this particular polling, right? Uh, because I think the conversation... That doesn't make sense. What? That makes no sense. What did that I just Salah. say? You said more people would edge towards Salah. Yeah. Why if... would you pick No, no, no. I, I was saying... Mostly? I was saying... So what, when did you say again the, the period cut off? For the I, said, I said it was from October 2020 to August 2021. That's it right there. Because, yeah. because you're cutting off there. I think he really started like the beginning of this season. Salah was exactly. Like, I've said it so many times on our Twitter page, like for fantasy purposes, the two most automatic players were uh, Lewandowski and Mohamed Salah. But the fact of the matter is that that part uh, of the season, while Lewandowski has scored just as much too, it's that's just not included for this polling. So because of that, I think with uh, the record, obviously the longstanding record that Lewandowski broke, Yes, it wasn't uh, the best season for Bayern Munich, but simply the scoring records, I think, uh, with, with that alone in the form that he was in and subtracting the beginning of this season from that data, well, part of it was in August. I'm not sure how many, like if one or two match weeks are maybe in there, but even still, uh, that's really not enough to uh, tilt it one way or the other. So because of that, I would, uh, even as a Liverpool fan and Bayern fan, I would side with Lewandowski um, I, I think if you were to take away the beginning part of this season, basically up until now, since uh, the African Cup of Nations has started and both Mane and Salah have gone off with Egypt uh, and Senegal, respectively, uh, if, if we were to include that part, definitely Salah would be in there with a very, very close shout. But because that's not in there, I, I would side with Lewandowski. And honestly, like... I'm just tired of Messi winning awards. Like I, I, I don't even care at this point if he had a great, <laughs> if he had a great and, season in that time period. That's uh, judged. Yeah, and uh, uh, interestingly, uh, Lewandowski's goals per game ratio this season is slightly better than Mo Salah's. When I'm talking about just club competitions, it beats Salah out of the water. If you also consider the Champions League, obviously, but I'm talking about just the domestic clubs, the domestic leagues, right. and he just slightly edges Mo Salah on, you know, goals 
plus assists per 90. But Salah has also been very productive. 16 goals, 9 assists in 20 league games, which is just phenomenal. And Lionel Messi, you, you have, uh, you know, meanwhile, in the league uh, with still a goal to his name, I believe. It's still just one goal, I guess. And uh, I honestly don't... I feel like it's very convenient from, you know, from, uh, FIFA that they just excluded this season's timeline completely. Did they, did they change the timeline based off of uh breaks because of covid or like or still playing catch up because of the way that uh, the beginning of the season after 1920 was kind of truncated and conflated is that why they did that like kind of still trying to catch up from the time lost way back when the pandemic that doesn't make sense because and because of international tournaments the previous fifa men's best award was handed out last year i believe in late November or was it December? Achievements till that point for the award ceremony. So it's so it's, it's, it's so hard to remember the timelines. They now. did include <laughs> the achievements in the new season as well for that award. So that being said, because I remember uh, Teddy Andre remarking about you know Lewandowski's contributions throughout the calendar year, and right, right. you have yeah this season when they have just omitted. It's almost like they're trying actively to hand it out to Lionel Messi, and that just doesn't sit well with me. Because even if you consider that specific timeline, you know, the time frame, Lewandowski has definitely scored more goals and he has also contributed to more goals in terms of goals plus assists. And he has broken a 50-year-old Bundesliga record, which is, I, I suppose that should be the highlight of the entire ceremony because he is, he is a piece of history. And yeah. Lionel Messi won a trophy that takes place, you know, once every two years. And he was bound to have won at least four or five times now because it's Argentina and they're like one of two teams that seriously contest for the award (laughs) outside of obviously some outlier nations. But he should have won it more times now. And just because it is his first trophy, you know, in the international football stage, it feels like they're just, you know, kissing his foot and just handing it to him. And it pains me to see someone so deserving as Lewandowski go empty-handed. They'll probably make some really douchey award like <laughs> best striker or most goal scored or best hairstyle or whatever. And just oh, no, Schnitzel, they'll, they'll uh, attach TikTok to something again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just to discredit him completely. Yeah, yeah. The TikTok <laughs> fans, FIFA men's player striker of the year. <laughs> something ridiculous like that, you know, and give him like a cookie or something as a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> or a, a big, a big, uh, a big like plush emoji or something. Here you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Broke a fifty-year oh, record. Here's an yeah. emoji. Goodness me! And sixty-nine goals the previous year. I mean, that is ridiculous. Considering he plays way fewer games than the other players in the Premier League or in the you know the La Liga. So his goals plus assist contribution per ninety. It just kicks every other player out of the water. But let's just discredit all that, ignore all that, and give it to Messi, who hasn't scored against Brest, Nice, Saint-Étienne, Rennes, and so on. <laughs> just no, hand it over to him. You should have yeah. said the, the mighty before all of those teams. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, touche. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah, the, the best league in the world, the Liga. Yes, Uber yes. Eats Liga, the best. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I guess it's pretty pointless to talk about any of these awards at this point. 
if they don't award it to Messi and they do give it to Lewandowski, it'll be a huge surprise and I would be so happy because it's an award he deserves. He, he, he can't do much more, you know, to actually deserve all these awards. And I wouldn't blame him for not receiving these because that's how these award ceremonies have always been, this big facades. And they don't really matter much in the grand scheme of things because if he can have a Champions League trophy at the end of the season, is he really going to be, you know, thinking about all this? I, I, I really doubt it. I, I feel like players like him and Müller, they're more oriented towards, you know, team trophies. Oh, 100%. As yeah. am I. As am I, especially at this point with, uh, you know, the highway robbery we saw with the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. I'm so done with these awards, man. <laughs> I am too. So, yeah, I, I suppose uh, enough of tragic, you know, awards so many talk and, you know, clown talk. Uh, the international breaks approaching soon. And you mentioned that it's been a very light period for Bayern right now. But after the international break, we're going to have English weeks for like three or four weeks, I believe. So it's going to be tough and there's going to be a lot of congestion. Let's hope, you know, we can sort things out then. And uh, what do you think, you know, we're going to see from Hansi Flick in the international break and from Germany? And, you know, what is your prediction? Uh, Given... That you know, it, it there's nothing that really bears uh, too much significance. I think we'll see some different looks, uh, some experimentations, which I think you know it doesn't take rocket science to figure out that that's something that Hansi Flick's going to do. And obviously, with his cl- close relationship with Nagelsmann and Bayern Munich, he'll know how much Bayern has been ailing recently. He won't want to like, seriously risk anybody. But by that same token, I still think we'll see some of the usual suspects. Uh, in, in the matches for Germany, but it's one of those situations too where I would rather him just go in and get maybe look at some guys that we haven't seen yet. Uh, because I mean, I'm not even sure like when he would have to have his squad for Qatar 2022 sorted. I know there's been some rumored friendlies we're supposed to have against uh, the Netherlands, I think even England uh, at one point to get some very good competition, uh, for some World Cup prep. It's it's still like not resonating with me that we're going to be experiencing a world cup at just like a completely different time of the year. It'll be like Thanksgiving and like, there'll be the world cup on, which is just like very bizarre to me, but anywho um, for this international break, I'm, I'm looking for and hoping for no injuries for Bayern players. And I, yeah, I'm looking oh my for God. Hansi Flick <laughs> to, uh, to make some rotations, maybe see some guys we haven't seen before. Uh, David Raum happens to be a guy that sticks out in my mind. I've ha- I've had my eyes yeah. on him. He's been doing very well Kevin for Hoffenheim. Yeah, um, Schlotterbeck, the Schlotterbeck brothers could maybe get maybe more of a Ridley Baku uh, at yeah, right back sure. or midfield. See, um, Adiemi. I, I know see, we've had some looks at him uh, in the I past. I want to see more of Florian Neuhaus in midfield. I mean, I know Kimmich is most probably going to start, but I want to see more of Neuhaus because he is really a very very good midfielder who could do a lot of wonders for Germany, especially as a depth piece. So want to see more of him and more of our fringe players. Like, you know, Kevin Schader from Hoffenheim, for example. Very, very promising winger. Adeyemi, I want him to get more starts just to see how he fits in. And I want to see that bum Timo on a bench. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, I see what Chuck says when you said fringe players. I was going to be like, like Timo Werner. <laughs> see how he responds to that. Fuming right now. Yeah, yeah. Timo Train just got off the rails. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just want to, you know, see all the fringe players get more opportunities. And 
you know, kind of have this room to experiment Fonzi Flick where you can actually see which players, additional players could get called up because we more or less know what the starting 11 is going to be for most of the games. Like most of the usual suspects are set in stone. But we also need to experiment with the bench players and the potential difference makers. So this would be a good time to do that. You know? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, so I suppose that brings us to the end of the podcast. It was an amazing discussion. And, you know, thank you so much, Tom, for all the inputs. And I thank you all for listening in. Tom, do you want to do, you know, the talk? With, no, I was uh, going to say, like, especially yeah. not being the host, uh, time really does fly when you're having fun. I think it's been like almost 40 minutes, something like that. Uh, I honestly don't even yeah. know. Uh, haven't been keeping track of time, to be quite honest, but. Yeah, it's cool to reverse roles a little bit. I'm like pretty ecstatic at how many different voices we're getting in Bavarian podcast works. I love the diversity, differing opinions. It's it's awesome that we get so many different looks. And I hope that our listeners enjoy that as well. And just to remind everyone to continue to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform or listening platform you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, I think is one. There's probably a lot of some stuff I don't know about the aliens out there. <laughs> If they're listening, yeah, for sure. <laughs> listening from a different universe, let us know. Uh, give us some love. And yeah, that's pretty much yeah, it. Thanks again. Thank you so listening. much for the feedback that you've been giving us. And please feel free to also tune into our work at Bavarian Football Works and make sure to also give your feedback through the comment section there. And thank you all for joining in. It's been very enjoyable. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>